Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dr. David Phelps, and we'll be talking about his work as well as his new book, What's, what, me, What's Your Next? The Blueprint for Creating Your Freedom Lifestyle. Dr. David Phelps owned and managed a private practice dental office for more than 21 years. While still in dental school, he began his investment in real estate by joint venturing with his father on their first rental property in 20, excuse me, on, in 1980. Uh, three years later, they sold the property, and David took his $25,000 capital gain share and leveraged it into 31 properties that later produced $15,000 monthly net cash flow. Life was good, sky was the limit, until the dark day that David's daughter, Jenna, was diagnosed with leukemia. In the midst of cancer treatments, epilepsy, and ultimately a liver transplant for Jenna, David made the crucial decision to leave his clinical practice so that he could spend every moment with his daughter. David's plan B, a portfolio of cash flow producing real estate assets, gave him the freedom to focus 100% on what mattered most to him. Jenna won the battle with the disease, and David still enjoys the freedom to cherish every moment with her that he can. Today, David is a nationally recognized speaker on creating freedom, building businesses, and investing in real estate. He also combines his professional and personal experiences to illustrate how the tactical and aspirational work together, excuse me, how they, they uh, illustrate how tactical and inspirational can work together. David helps others, professionals, become dreamers and then strategically manifest those dreams into freedom. He authors a monthly newsletter, Path to Freedom, and hosts the Dentist Freedom Blueprint podcast. Freedom Founders Mastermind Community grows exponentially year by year, providing the pathway to freedom for many professionals. David's new book, which we'll learn about today, is called What's Your What's Your Next? The Blueprint for Creating Your Freedom Lifestyle. And it chronicles his story and provides a guide and a call to action to others who are yearning to experience the freedom lifestyle. For more information, you can visit his website, which is drphelps.com, and that's D-O-C-T-O-R-P-H-E-L-P-S.com. And you can also find out more by visiting uh, the Mastermind website, which is freedomfounders.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome David to the show. Good day, David. Robert, good day. Great to be here, sir. Thank you very much, and uh, boy, I'm really anxious to talk with you, and hopefully we can empower our uh, listeners to be uh, uh, to have more freedom in their life. Um, so, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you know, there was that one period that happened with, with your daughter, Jenna, that kind of uh, was a critical point 
um, for your decision to uh, change your, your path. So would you mind sharing a little bit more with the listeners, kind of what was your experience like up to that point, and, and, and how did that um, diagnosis with her change your thinking? Sure, Robert. You know, I was a, a very focused, driven young man at really a very early age. I remember being a young man. Uh, I, I wanted my independence, uh, not not away from my family, but I wanted enough independence where I could um, buy the things that I wanted as a young man. My parents were good parents. They didn't just give me or my my sisters uh, what we wanted. Uh, you know, we had chores and. We wanted something extra. Uh, you know, we had to figure out a way to to get that. But, you know, for me as a young man, I I want a specific kind of a bike. You know, I wanted a a five speed uh, Schwinn Apple Crate when I was I think I was probably like ten, eleven, or twelve. Uh, I I loved to play tennis and I wanted to take tennis lessons. Um, uh, there I wanted a I wanted a my own black and white little uh, portable TV for my room so I didn't have to you know share in the TV shows the family were, were watching you know in the family room so. So I had this, this independent streak about me at an early age, um, and 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 that was that was you know, part of seeing seeing freedom. I think in an early age, as, as, even as a child uh, in a in a good family, I, I went on to school and I was I was pretty good in school, so I could you know uh, pass tests, I could memorize information and regurgitate, which is so much of what seems like formal education is today. But that gave me, I think, inroads to to go into uh, dentistry, uh, which. Which I decided was a, a good path because it was a respected uh, profession uh, from all things I could see as a young man. Uh, you know, being a doctor, a dentist, could be a lawyer, you know, CPA, engineer, uh, were all career paths that you know appeared to be where you could ha- you could make a pretty good lifestyle and have some security and hopefully have some freedom. So that's why I saw it as a young age, and so I went down that path. Um, and as you alluded to in my biography. When I was in in college and you know going through and still taking all the courses, I, the prerequisites I had to to get into dental school, I, I I just had a curiosity about how to be a better steward of of, of money, you know, investments. Now I didn't have money at that time. I had school debt, um, not as much as kids have today, but I still back in this is back in the late 70s. I I had, I had school debt to get through school, but I read some books about you know investing money. Uh, I was curious about it. I read books about the stock market. I read books about Real estate, and between the two, the real estate really caught my interest. It just was a tangible uh, asset class. It was something that I felt like you know I could learn and understand. I, I just really couldn't understand Wall Street and the stock market, so I left that aside. And when I entered my first year in dental school in uh, Dallas, Texas, in 1980, I I was thinking about what I learned about real estate, and I, I I called my dad, who lived a couple states away in Colorado, and I said, Dad, I said, you know, I'm going to be going to school here for four years. Uh, how about if we together might, you know, buy an investment property? You know, you put up the money and the credit, and I'll I'll manage it. You know, kind of a 50-50 proposition. And fortunately, he he said I'll I'll consider it. So he came down to Dallas. We spent a few weekends uh, looking at different locations, and we found a an estate sale property, and we bought it, and uh, did just what I said. You know, he put up the financing because I, I didn't have the capital or the credit to do it as a as a student with debt. Uh, but I was the manager, and I, you know, I, I learned a lot of, of good things about management. Uh, but here's what the other thing I realized, uh, Robert, is that uh, while I was going to school, I was also waiting tables at restaurants, uh, you know, evenings and weekends to, to help you know pay the pay the freight, so I wouldn't have as much debt coming out of school. And what I realized is after three and a half years of owning that rental property and managing it, that the uh, the 
gain or the profit that I was able to split with my dad when we sold that property was was more than what I could make, you know, weekends and nights working in a restaurant, even with good tips. Uh, and the hours I was invested in uh, managing that property during those three and a half years was much less than the time I put at the restaurant. So that gave me uh, a little bit of a clue as to uh, why owning some kind of assets uh, was something that I wanted to continue to do because I realized even though I was going to go work, uh, work a career, be a dentist, uh, that learning to be a good steward of, of, of money that I had to invest would be a smart thing to do. So I went forward with that. I went forward into the dental practice, but I continued on the side uh, to, to buy rental properties. It all was good, uh, and all was good until Jenna, um, my only child, my only daughter, my daughter, my only child, uh, at age two and a half, she was diagnosed with high-risk leukemia, and that was, you know, something that I had not prepared for. I had not been conditioned by any previous experience in my life with 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 my immediate family of anybody going through a a difficult uh, illness or life-threatening illness or cancer. Uh, I just had not dealt with it, and so it was kind of it was just kind of you know slapped me on the side and. Yet I felt like I was I was supposed to be the you know the head of the family. I was supposed to make sure everything was still good. I was supposed to keep the financial situation at hand, and um, so I worked really hard to do that. But I did realize that there was a, a bigger need for me to be more more emotionally connected uh, to my family. I just you know it's 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 just you don't know what mm-hmm. you don't know. Um, so I'll, I'll speed this up because I know you've got some good questions. But no, that's fine. Uh, I'll no, fast forward. no, it's important. Here, Okay. okay, you're covering a lot of things that I think people are experiencing right now. So I think it's I appreciate you going to that that detail. All right. Well, good. Well, then I'll I'll continue. So, so you know, I I was you know as I said I was a young man who felt like that if I did everything right in life, if I worked hard, if I had integrity, I served people well. In this case, in my dental practice, you know that that I could control uh, and have a good life and have the you know the. The, the the family that I wanted and and this this situation with Jenna with her her liver uh, excuse me not her her liver that came later but her her diagnosis with leukemia um, was something that I I just didn't have any training for so Jenna made it through uh, it was three years of um, really I just I tell you it was hell on earth it was just you know and I know people listening today uh, have are going through have gone through um, and will go through either themselves or with a family member. Uh, some kind of a crisis. It's just, you know, you live long enough in life and, and you're going to deal with these things. But I wasn't really prepared for that uh, emotionally uh, or with any training, so I did the best I could. And um, Jenna made it, but our, the marriage to her, her mother did not. We, we didn't succeed. And, again, it, it was a no-fault situation. It was, looking back, it was the two of us, we, we only knew what we knew. And, and our focus went totally towards Jenna, and, and, and we were physically and emotionally spent uh, most of the time during those three years, uh, just trying to keep things going. And Jenna's mother was just a, an, an angel advocate for Jenna. She took all that on while I got outside the house to go, you know, make the living. She she was really, uh, and I use the word imprisoned because you don't think about being imprisoned with your family or your child. But you think about it this way, Robert, when you have a, a person, in this case a young child, uh, she was two and a half to, to five, um, and she had, you know, this, this horrific battle with leukemia where at any moment uh, she could spike a fever because her, her immune system is depressed. I mean, that's how they try to fight, fight cancer is they, they go after the entire body and try to get the cancer cells at the same time, but it means, leaves the person very vulnerable 
to to just fevers or or, or or anything else. And so 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 we couldn't ever leave Jenna just even even to really leave the, with a babysitter because she's too young. And so her her mother, Jenna's mother, really uh, took that on. And looking back, I. I, I admire her, and, and we're good friends today. I just want to make sure we're good friends. We we co-parented Jenna, even though we weren't in the same household. But my admiration for her, you know, built over the years because I realized she actually had the tougher battle uh, between the two of us as parents. She had the tougher battle, and so I think one of the lessons I learned out of that that period, Robert, was that that even though we're going through tough times ourselves, there's other people that are also going through difficult times, and so so don't feel like you're alone. Uh, don't don't um, don't be a soloist. Don't try to be the rugged individual and fight through yourself. If I would have been a part of other groups, or if I'd been a part of a men's group, or had some some people that I I trusted relationships, I would have probably gotten through it better. So I, I, lesson number one: don't do life by yourself. Even though you, even though we're kind of built to do that in many cases, uh, don't do that. So let me just push forward a little bit here, and we'll kind of get to the the point where I, I made some significant changes in my life. Uh, Jenna survived leukemia. She um, had a period of about four years from age 8 to 12 where, unfortunately, she had some, some epileptic seizure activity that was, was difficult to control at best. Uh, I mean, she was on medications for that, uh, but she still had breakthrough seizures once, twice a week where it just kind of, you know, put her out for the day. I don't, I don't mean she was unconscious, but people that deal with, with seizures or know anything about that, there's different types of seizures, but um, oftentimes people that deal with seizures um, it, it, it can just really knock them out, kind of uh, make them kind of non-functional for, for you know, hours at a time. And so Jenna wasn't really able to participate um, fully, you know, in school. Uh, she was in and out a lot during leukemia, during her seizure time. And then, and then at, at age 12, um, this was in 1990, excuse me, this was in 2004, at age 12, uh, Jenna was vomiting blood vomiting blood, um, and, and, and so, again, scary. What's going on? Um, what, what could be happening now? So Jenna, Jenna's mother took her to a local hospital where they lived. Um, they didn't know how to – it was beyond their capability. Um, so they, they – um, Medicare – not a Medicare um, – uh, Metaflight her to um, Dallas, uh, with the, big, the bigger city um, where – Within three days, they diagnosed her with end-stage liver failure. So she'd gone through all this chemotherapy for leukemia. She'd had these seizures, and she had all the medication for seizure. And her liver, um, it just was too toxic for her liver. And so she had a liver that was not functioning, and that's why she was vomiting blood. The liver wasn't processing and filtering blood the way it's, it's meant to be. So now we've got the situation where, you know, how do we solve this? Because uh, unlike kidney failure, uh, there's no there's no dialysis or intermediary treatment for a liver that's failing. I, I mean, it's you can only do some temporary things. Eventually, without a new liver, you know, Jenna wouldn't make it. So now now I'm going back into my typical mode of well, I got to fix this thing. This is David the fixer. Um, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm not saying it's a good thing either, Robert. Because again, I'm talking about sometimes being too focused on fixing things instead of just being present. Uh, and I want to make sure our listeners understand that I'm looking back at my life now reflectively. And not, not with regrets, but just with lessons learned, which is the point of life. So, so we, we got her set up with, um, uh, with a transplant center in Houston, Texas. Uh, she's on the list now. So you, you go on the list, and it's a point system uh, based on age and based on uh, the doctor's assessment of the su- potential success of a transplant. And if you're too sick 
or you're too old or different things, then you're not going to be very high on the list. Well, Jenna was pretty high on the list, at least at that time, because her, her, they, they were able to do some things to, to keep the, the, the liver situation um, going for a while. Three months after her diagnosis, um, Jenna's mom gets the call, the call from the hospital saying, okay, this is your day. Uh, their bags are always packed, by the way. They're, they've got bags in the car ready to go because when you get the call that you're, you have an opportunity yeah. for the transplant, you've got to go. And so, the, so the, again, they have, a, they, have, um, uh, they have volunteers around the country, and these are great people who are private pilots, and they have volunteered any time that there's a transplant patient that needs a flight to the medical center. They're there, and boom. Uh, they'll they'll fly them for free. I mean, they just this is just you know a godsend uh, of volunteers. So that happened for Jen and her mom. I I, I come from Dallas, so I, I took a different route. Uh, but you know, getting there to the hospital, uh, and I realized remember you know going down that day, uh, thinking well this is the day that you know we were kind of waiting for in terms of you know this is she needs this transplant. She's got to have a transplant. But then I'm also very very frightened of this because I realized Robert, this is. This is big surgery. This, you know, an organ transplant is, is major, major surgery. And, and of course, the, the medicine today is, is very advanced, and they do good things. But still, there's, there's outcomes that you know, can be um, not, not the desired outcomes. So I've I'm, I'm kind of got my, my, my heart in my throat thinking about this day. And uh, I get down there in time for, to see Jenna being wheeled into to surgery, and six hours later, um, you know, they come out and the doctors come out and say, you know, we, you know, it, it's done. I mean, the procedure's done and they felt like, you know, successful. And now it's the recovery, and the recovery is going to be long and lengthy. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't get out in a week and go home. We had to keep have, have a place to stay in Houston uh, for the next three months because they've got to be really on top of the whole thing because things can go wrong. They have to, and things did did go wrong. Not bad things, but I mean, they have to support this whole new organ in the body and get the immune system adapted to it. I mean, it's a long process. And so here's my point. Um, I was still in practice, but I was going back and forth from the Dallas area uh, to Houston, uh, and I'd leave my practice for, um, you know, a week at a time to be there with Jenna because I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I, I want this to go well, but I'm thinking, you know, have I lost my opportunity to be the dad I want to be? Uh, am I going to try to make up for time for it right now? I'll do the best I can, but, you know, maybe it's too late. And as I'm sitting in the, in the hospital room, just watching her breathe, you know, she has all the IV tubes, all the monitors on her, she's breathing oxygen, and just watching her breathe. And then looking at all the medication bottles, I think we counted there was 32 bottles of pills and medications that she had to take initially. It's not that bad today, but initially, 32. Uh, and it was just, it, the whole thing's mind-boggling to me. I mean, Robert, I'm thinking that, this, this is so surreal. I mean, this can't be my life because it's not what I planned on. It's not what I designed. It's, it's not what I signed up for, and yet here I am, and the reality is, yes, it is my life, and what am I going to do about it? Um, I can't, I'm not the doctor that, that performs the surgery or takes care of Jenna because that's not my field, but what am I as dad going to do about the situation? What can I do differently that I haven't done before? And so while I was there at the hospital with Jenna recovering and had a finally time to really reflect and this is a key because i was such a busy go-go getter all my life i just never took time to really think about what am i doing why am i doing this you know is it who's put this on me right if i just put this on myself and i decided then robert that i'm going to sell my dental practice yeah i'm going to sell i i'm, I'm going to let that go and free myself up so that I don't have to be constrained by worried about a dental practice and all the patients and the, the staff and all the people that 
dependent upon me, but also my daughter was dependent upon me. Um, she, you know, and, I'm, and, and, you know, it's a hard decision, but not so hard when it's a family member. I'm going to say it wasn't an easy decision, and I'll let, we can dive into this a little bit, but I, that's, that's the long answer to the question you asked me. But I kind of want to give you some insights and the listeners' insights today about the fact that these travails and, 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 and turbulations that we go, tribulations that we go through in life, we know that they're not easy, and I never want to make light of the fact that the decisions I made, whether they were right or wrong at the time, they were the best decisions I could make at the time, and you know, the lessons that come out of those are things I want to pass on to people today that are also maybe going through tough decisions making in their own lives. Yeah, I agree. Boy, um, there is a few things I kind of want to like, jump on or, or kind of talk about for it. I mean, Couple of one of the things you mentioned, you know, about um, imprisoned. You know that the idea of um, the there is. I mean, you said you you used your word, but you didn't want to use your word. The the thing is, is I think often people who are um, unexpected caregivers, you know, the, that have to, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes their their life. Um, that it can have that sense of feeling imprisoned and um a lot of people i'm sure feel guilty about i don't want to you know i shouldn't feel that i'm in prison i should feel that you know this is you know this is my mother this is you know this is my wife or whatever that that i shouldn't feel in prison. but the fact is is we're our own unique souls on our little old journey and that um you know the opposite of the imprisonment is the freedom, and you know, and that's a very important part of your book is is freedom. So um, I think that it's you know important to recognize that you know that's a it's a legitimate feeling, um, and then the the solution to shift it around is freedom. So yeah. um, that was one thing that I, I wanted to um, kind of mention for the, the listeners, um, and then also you mentioned about not doing it by yourself. Um, you know that's that's so important. So if people are going through that issue right now, definitely look for you know groups or some some type of support to be to be able to to help with that. And and so anyway, those were just a, a couple of the um, things that I just really want. I felt they were important. You know, for people to recognize and these are things that you learned. You know, um, in in hindsight and reflection, but um, you know, I think people can maybe speed up the process a little bit if it's in their awareness that that's the case. Exactly. There's so much that, you know, life, um, life situations that, that we all are going to have to deal with or do deal with, and there's so many things that we don't know. I think the uh, a positive part is, is find other people that have gone through something similar or maybe going through, uh, and, and uh, you know, use a, use, the, use the community. Use, use people. Utilize the, the benefits of people that um, can give some insight and perspective. It's something I didn't do. During that time, and that was yeah. a, that was a mistake. But again, it wasn't it wasn't something I was taught. I was, you know, we go through school, uh, you know, in life, and and you don't get to collaborate. You know, you have to take the test by yourself. You have to pass everything by yourself. There's no collaboration. Right. right? So getting out, getting out, it's like, well, then then how do I do that? Right? I, I, you feel like you're vulnerable. You feel like you're weak. It's like, no, 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 no. The opposite. You're stronger when you do things with other people uh, that you know you know I can trust. So yeah, great great points. Yeah, you know, and and you're you know right like in the 70s, you know, things weren't this. I mean, you don't have the internet, you know, you know, you're not doing right. these kinds of things that, uh, you know, so the awareness isn't there and the, the um, resources aren't there. But but now they are. I mean, you know, now we can have that. Um, 
Now, you, you mentioned, um, you know, training and that kind of thing. You Obviously, going to dental school was a um, – a very, I don't want to say, it's a conventional, it's it's a very um, uh, solid kind of, um, you know, uh, approach to what you're going to be doing for your, for your, for your work. Now, you mentioned the point that in the hospital that you kind of, there was that shift. So tell us a little bit about how, you know, the training that you got in dental school, you know, how that may have, um, uh, affected, um, you know, because it, sometimes it, it's rather structured, and, and then when it comes time when, we're, when we have these periods of sudden change, that um, that structure gets shaken. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what dental school taught you and what it didn't teach you as far as making that shift? Right. Well, you're right. It's, it's, it's very regimented, very structured. Um, you know, it's it's you know, scientific, it's analytic, I mean, which, which is a lot of who I am. I, I am that, that very logical, <laughs> rational person, uh, and that's good. That's good in certain areas, right? It's, it's, it's a good thing. You want a doctor or, or somebody who's, right. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the NASA scientist who's going to help, you know, get the, the rocket, you know, shipped to the moon or whatever to be very detailed and analytic. So that, there's, there's good to that, but there's also the, the negative side to it is that, yeah, that regimentation, that structure, that that kind of always being in control, that always being able to plan everything out, you know, for the long run, when that gets disrupted, which it will, then it's like, how, you know, how is a person like me prepared to deal with that? Well, I'm a lot better today because I've accepted, you know, the fact that this is the way life is. I, 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 actually, I actually embrace, not that I, I embrace the, the things, the challenges. I, I, don't, I don't look for them, Robert, but I, when something comes right. up, <laughs> That, that, that's a, that's a right. curveball that comes. It's like, okay, well, this is this is life. So, so I learned to look at it differently. But back then, no, no. This, that's why I'm saying it was, uh, it was just so out of the blue and, and out of character for what I saw as my vision of life. Is like, well, how could this happen? What, what, what did I do here? Well, of course, I didn't do anything. But, but my because this is my family right. of origin, uh, we didn't. I didn't see any of that. You know. Now, had I experienced that somewhere else in my life, then I probably would have been more adaptable. And said, "Okay, well, I've seen this before. Uh, it's not going to be fun. Um, it's not fair. But look, it's life. So I, I would have been in better positioned. But you're so so, so right to, to talk about the the regimentation or the structure of maybe the way we've been brought up, or in this case, school, um, can set us up sometimes in not a good way to deal with the 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 parts of life that uh, are unplanned or that we can't necessarily control." Yeah. Yeah. The you know the. To me, it, it seems that, and one of the things is you are completely correct in that, you know, the um, if I'm going to have a dentist, I want him paying attention to details or, you know, or a doctor. So, I mean, and, and for certain people, you know, that is a strength, you know, and that is, uh, you know, a, a, just a, a position, a, a sense of being. Um, and that, uh, but the... The contra side to that is that um, with that change, um, and and I understand what you're saying about uh, the um, embracing, you know, that change. I, I get to the point too. Or, I mean, I like to have things planned out, but um, but then you know, whenever there's a curveball, I, I just basically look at it as a way I'm being nudged somewhere else <laughs> in a yeah, different direction. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, right. Yeah, and so, 
And so I kind of like, thanks, okay, well, you know, I, I didn't see where, where that was going to be going, but I appreciate the help. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that, and that's so true. That's, I, that's really what, you know, as I, as I look back and, and, and I've had a chance to, you know, I think be relevant to other people that I have a chance to engage with and, you know, and, and, you know younger people but also my peer group um, because everybody goes through challenges. And, and, and I'm, I am by, by no means, you know, have all the wisdom. Uh, we all have our own experiences. But when you, can share, when you can share your own experiences, and everybody has a story. We all have a story, and I think we discount our stories. I think too often we think that um, we're not worthy of, of, of providing uh, help, guidance in some way to some, to some person or some group of people. Uh, and I think people that are listening today, you know, think about whatever you've gone through in life. Uh, it is your story. It's unique to you. And rather than look at, at whatever that has happened to you as, as, as negative, as negative as it might have been when you were going through it, but look back and say, well, what were the good things that came out? What did I learn or, or how were the other people around me affected that had some positive outcomes? And in doing so, then you've got an opportunity to take those lessons, that wisdom that you, you have acquired through your own experience, and share that with other people. And to me in life you know, today, not where I was you know, 20 years ago, Robert, but today um, I, I feel like my bigger purpose and meaning in life is, is to share uh, what I can with people that, that I, can, I can help in some way. And, it's just, and, and there's, there's no better way to do that than, than share through stories um, of, of real life. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. And, you know, and it's, you know, just the, the fact of your experience with that, you know, having an analytical portion of your life, you know, and then having to shift. I mean, that um, applies to so many people. So I mean, they would resonate with exactly, well, I know exactly what, I may not be a dentist, but I know exactly the kind of uh, person, you know, the, the trait that uh, they were talking about that fit me. So, um, well, we're going to take, we're about halfway through the show already, David. Boy, it's just flying by. Um, I want to take hey, just a quick break, by. and I do want to Okay. <laughs> I want to invite listeners um, that if you have any questions you would like to call in, the number is 619-789-4359. And those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. And then uh, when we come back, David, um, I want to kind of get your perspective, you know, with, with all of the big changes that have been happening with this year and, and just in different kinds of shift, I kind of want to get your view of um, what you kind of see, you know, from um, up and coming when it comes to, you know, um, financial matters and economy and, and wealth and, and how this kind of all, how does this pair, I mean, this has to be an ultimate um, test for someone who doesn't like change is to uh, what we're going through. So I can exactly. only talk about. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that when we come back. Sounds good. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, 
a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, my my special guest today is Dr. David Phelps, and we're talking about his new book, What's Your Next? The Blueprint for Creating Your Freedom Lifestyle. Again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is drphelps.com, and that's spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-P-H-E-L-P-S.com. And then you can find out more about the Mastermind Group, Freedom Founders, at freedomfounders.com. Okay, with that, we're back, David. All right. Yes, Robert, I'm here. Uh, Great. Okay. So um, your book is called What's Your Next? And so can you share with the listeners um, what your view of this particular time period we're going through and how, you know, looking at what's your next maybe is uh, like this is the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and if I may, I'm, I'm just going to give a, a more relevant re- website for the book. Uh, people oh. could go to, go to findyournext.com, uh, and the book's also available for pre-order right now on Amazon. Uh, so, yeah, to your, to your, to your point, Robert, uh, even before this last year, 2020, when you know, out of the blue comes the you know, COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, even before that time, let's just think about, how fast the world has been changing in just the last decade, since even 2010. Uh, the, the amount of information, the information sharing, uh, the Internet, uh, technology overall in so many areas uh, is changing really at almost light speed. Uh, it's today, like today, what we know today about you know, how we work, we live, we communicate, uh, how, we, um, you know, how, we do, how we access information, uh, our business models, you know, this year, next year, there will be some kind of changes. In three years, almost, almost everything almost turns over. And so really as a civilization, uh, we have never experienced things that change this rapidly. That's, that can be difficult. Again, for, for most of us, and myself included, I kind of like to get into some kind of routine. I like, I like things to, to be kind of normalized. <laughs> we just talked about things not being normal, Robert, and, and of course, not, now I'm shifting back. But, but yeah, if I, could, if I could have a life that, that I could show up every day and, and know what it looks like and know what the world's going to look like, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, it's not the way it is. So things are happening, happening faster. Now you throw a, a black swan event like uh, coronavirus in, which has dis- disrupted everything. And we're still disrupted. We're not through with that. Uh, but it's caused, um, it caused a lot of force change for just about everybody. I, I don't know anybody who could say they have not been affected by, by the virus this past year. And so as, as I was sitting in the hospital with Jenna, uh, this is some, you know, what, 16 years ago, um, 
it wasn't a global change that was happening. It was a personal change in my own little life, my own life with my family, but it was still as, as significant as the virus. That's, so so I, had to, I had to look at that and say, you know, what, what is this, what is this uh, imputing me to, to do or consider? What, what do I need to think about here? Do I just go back and just keep doing the same thing I've been doing, which is, again, kind of trying to go back to what we know, because we're always comfortable with what we know. Even if what, we, what we're doing, the way we're living our life or our business or our finances, even if it's, it, it's not getting us exactly what we want, at least we know what it is, so we get comfortable and say, okay, well, the shift to something else seems even um, more scary than staying with what you know. Uh, but I would say to, to our listeners, Look at the opportunity, a little bit like I had to do. Was it easy for me to just to say sell my dental practice to potentially never go back and do dentistry, even though I had all those years of education, training, uh, you know, capital that was put into it? You know, was that easy to, to, to let that go? No, it wasn't. But I can tell you on the other side um, that very, very quickly uh, I, I could see that what that was allowing me to do, that, that decision I made was allowing me to, to open – doors that up until that point I wouldn't have thought of opening. Well, I didn't have time. I didn't have capacity. I was too busy doing what I was doing. And so I think look at the change, look at the disruption today that you've gone through this last year, that you're going through right now, that you may go through you know, in the, in the near future. Look at the change and the disruption as an opportunity. That's hard. It's hard to think about that way. But what doors could open? What what does this change force you to, to do, to behave differently? It might push you to, to reach out and, and develop some relationships in other areas with other people. Uh, I, I said earlier, you know, don't go solo in life. I have learned so much from other people, and I used to be a, a big soloist, Robert. Again, as I said, I, I tried mm-hmm. to hunker down and do everything myself because I, well, I, I thought I was supposed to do it that way. And, and I realized today that the, the biggest opportunities that I found in shifting my life from being a dentist to what I do today uh, didn't come from me just sitting in, in, in my room by myself. Now, meditation's good, thinking's good, but I also need to get, you need to get out in the world a little bit and, and, and don't feel sorry for yourself or your situation. Just realize that other people are going through tough times. Get out there, talk to people, find groups of people. Uh, and today, as you said, Robert, it's easier because you can do it you know, virtually if you want to. You can do it you know, on, on the Internet. There's, there's all kinds of forums and support groups. Uh, but I think, uh, I think being actually with people when you can, there's even a, a stronger relationship building. So you can do some of both. But look at it as, a, as an opportunity because the world is not going to get simpler. It's going to only get more complex. And so instead of fighting that, how can we uh, adapt? How can we adapt and still live lives that are congruent to who we are, what our values are? doesn't mean you have to buy into everything that's happening out there. I'm not saying to do that, but how can we – we, as individuals and as family members and as community leaders and however we want to have our impact, how can we, how can we still live lives congruent to ourselves but also be adaptable and flexible to what's going on around us? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, the, the one thing, when you mentioned that it's, you know, with all of the work and, and time invested um, up to the point of making a shift, um, it's, I would think that that's a common feeling that people would think, you know, I mean, after all I invested, you know, why would I even consider kind of giving that up? And um, the one thing that I have learned is, is to recognize is that, um, that 
none of it would have been wasted or lost. I mean, it was all part of the creation process that yeah. kind of created you, you know, the individual. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's the one thing I think sometimes holds people back from considering what to do next is the fact that, you know, there was all of this investment, you know, um, and, and rather than looking at, I would think that maybe making a shift from thinking of the investment as just an investment uh, instead of being just an investment in what I'm going to do, it was just like an investment to, to my whole life, you know, to, and the skills it contributed and perspective it contributed. And, um, uh, so anyway, well, that, well, that's, well, that's, find your yeah, next. Well, that's, well, yeah, well, that's, yeah, find your next. Well, well, that's, that's, that's exactly right. You know, I, I, what, what you said is, is, is I want to repeat that because, because you're right. We, we get caught in, in, in the sunk cost fallacy of we've invested so much time and effort and money and education in, in this thing, whatever it is, you know, there's, there's no way I could, I could, I could lead that apart from that shift from that anyway. And, and you're right, Robert, the healthy way to look at that is no, you know, whatever you put into what you've been doing to get you to where you are today, um, that's, that's all just, you're developing certain skill sets and there's other skill sets that, that are transferable that we can take and, and iterate or shift or move uh, as, as, as the, the world and, and circumstances kind of dictate to us or, or maybe make the opportunity to allow us to do that. So, I, yeah, 100% with you that, that whatever we've done up to, to, to now is just a preparation and an opportunity to go to the next. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about what's your next. Tell us about the book and, you know, kind of what, what it's about and, you know, what, what is it that inspired you to write it? Well, yeah, the, the inspiration really has come from my working with a lot of the colleagues and members in, in the group that I formed about 10 years ago called Freedom Founders. And we, I, I deal mostly with colleagues in dentistry and medicine because that's where I came from. But, but the principles of what I've learned in my own life and what I've learned in, in helping and working with others is, is, is principles that I put in this book uh, because I think so many people are – like I have been in my life where I was focused on really one thing, and that was a definition of success that was more dictated by society or maybe my industry. You know, what, is, what does a dentist look like? You know, and, and that's typically as well. You know, you live in a certain neighborhood and you have a certain house and your kids go to a certain school and you have certain kind of vacations. It's like that's the definition of success. Well, bad definition. I'm just saying because, because life is so much more than that. But, but see, I, I, I only knew what I knew. So what's your next really dives in the principles of helping people uh, with self-discovery? Um, I've got frameworks. I've got questions. I've got stories, my own story. But I think we learn through other people, as I said earlier, stories. And so, so helping people you know, visualize um, what, what the, the potentially deeper impact in life that they can have, uh, not that you don't have to have a job or a career or a business to make money. That's, yeah, that's absolutely important. Uh, but I talk about you know, there's actually um, you know, five freedoms five freedoms, and, and I, I sit up in a, in, a, in a pyramid. In the bottom of the pyramid in the book, you'll see the, the first freedom is financial freedom. Uh, and, and talk about how to get there, how, how to determine what that number is. You don't have to get there before you have the other five freedoms, but having a pathway that can give you some certainty that you're going to get there, not when you quote, get to quote-unquote retirement age, because I don't believe in that retirement age thing. I think you should, you should be able to live your life and evolve as you iterate. So financial freedom is the first one of the five freedoms. The second one and these, are, these aren't in a particular order. I think financial freedom is the one that people like myself would strive for 
and then never really get there, or maybe, maybe get there when you're in your 60s or 70s, maybe get there. But, see, that's too long to wait for the other five freedoms, which are time, time freedom. I mean, how, how much do we just give up our time, give it away uh, at, the, at, the, at the expense of driving for, for, a, for a false um, uh, North Star? So time freedom. Then relationship freedom, um, you know, relationships that we, we either should put more, more time into because they're important to us or relationships that, may, relationships that maybe uh, we've outgrown and maybe are not healthy for us. But we put up with them, again, because we're on this drive for this certain goal that's been defined by success by society or industry. Uh, the next one is health. Uh, how many of us might, and I can raise my hand very high and say at times in my life, I neglected my health. Well, why? Because, well, because, because I've, got to, I've got to drive for this certain goal. I need to make a certain amount of money. I've got to have a certain amount of assets, investments. And so when, when I get there, when I get to that point, Robert, then I'll go back and I'll, I'll, I'll take care of my health. Well, that, that, bad choice, bad choice. I mean, how many people, you know, have, how many people have, have money, uh, but, they, but their health is gone or they can't, you know, they can't physically move anymore because they let it go. And then and at the top, top of my pyramid of five freedoms, is very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, which is, he calls it self-actualization, which I, I call it uh, your meaning, your purpose in life, how you like to have impact. Uh, it's your legacy. And I never thought about that when I was younger in life. I mean, that was the furthest thing from my mind was, what's my legacy going to be? It was all about me. It was all about me, David Phelps, and I need to be this great person to help all these people and make money for my family. That was all, all I was about, and I was missing the boat. So what's your, what's your next is a book that I think will help people to look at their own life and you know, examine it from different perspectives and ask themselves the questions of what could be my next? What am I potentially missing in life right now because my goals that I have set in front of me are not, not the real goals that I want to have? Not Again, not to say that earning money, paying the bills is not important. It is very important. But if that's, mm-hmm. if that's, if that's our North Star, then we're going to miss a lot of life, and I don't want people to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know, and, you know, there are, you know, we do have the basic human needs, you know, that we kind of, you know, as far as that hierarchy that we need to, to have. But once you get beyond that, or you know, and even if it, that's impacted a little bit by some of the other ones, um, the, the, the. But the wholesome kind of uh, approach, looking at these you know, various types of freedoms, I think um, would get people to question their um, their basic beliefs, <laughs> you know, and and really kind of reevaluate. So I guess going through defining, you know, um, kind of where you stand on whether you're you're free or imprisoned in each any of these um, elements, then the next step would be to create a blueprint, I guess, on how to go from right. there. Would that be correct? Yeah, um, and, and so the, the blueprint is, is a, a construct that, again, you know, it's so fun to create, um, create things or, or, or um, frameworks with, with other people because, again, this is something I, did, I couldn't have done on my own. But, again, with other people, I, I look back in my own life and kind of pulled some, some key elements out but but I also had to, had to look through the lens of other people, and as I as I've had the blessing to help other people, my you know colleagues uh, in in my group, and and again I found you know other principles that were common as we kind of worked together, and I and I helped and watched them 
you'll move to their next and and to to their 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 larger impact place in life and what and, and saw the the changes that were happening so creating the blueprint again it's it's going to be different for everybody that's what's it's not a cookie cutter but but developing one's blueprint customized to them there is a process to do that and that's what I've laid out in the book so the process to take with where you are today say to call that point A here's where I am today here's what my life looks like and point B is what you'd like your life to look like and again I would I would I would incorporate all five freedoms financial time relationships health you know purpose and meaning and at point B and say okay point B when would I like to, to hit point B well maybe that's in five years maybe it's in ten depending upon your age and where you are but you need to have a definition, a specific definition of what you want you like to look like. Be very, very clear. Be very specific. And then it's just a matter of reverse engineering. From that point B where you want to be, what you want, want your life to look like, back to where you are today. Okay, so start with where you are today with what you have. doesn't matter where you are, what you have, what your circumstances are. You now have you know, a, a, a point B to go towards. And so the blueprint helps lay out the constructs to, to, to make that move. You know, and, and it gives you milestones. You know, an important part of of, of trying to reach um, a a you know a transformation or or a change in life is you've got to have some ways to measure your progress. Uh, it's it's never going to be straightforward. It's never going to happen just exactly as you plan. There's going to be some iterations. There's going to be you know go left, go right. Sometimes sometimes you take a step back before you go forward. But the ability to to have some specific measurements along the way, again with all five freedoms, is important. So it keeps you in, in alignment. So you don't get too far off track and one day wake up, wait a minute, wait a minute, how did I get over here? Well, I need, I need to pull back over here because I'm missing some elements here. So the blueprint with some specific um, metrics along the way is what is a, a, you know, a guides, guides people along their own unique personal journey. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I, I would think that what freedom means to freedom what it means to each person is unique and it would take into account all of those various freedoms that you talked about in varying degrees and and i would also think don't wouldn't one's perception of freedom um um shift as well i mean in time that things can can happen that maybe you know you felt stronger, you know, with the the relationship area, you know, than um, maybe the health, you know. So, I mean, I'm, what I'm thinking is, is that saying is that I think that, I mean, isn't it good to have that end goal in mind, but keep in mind that, like you say, things change, you can go from right to left, um, but that um, you adjust to circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always being open and willing to adjust, um, adapt. You know, be nimble, pivot. Um, yeah, the, the 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 point B that you might put out in you know in front of your your future for five or seven or ten years out, absolutely that that can shift. Uh, I mean, it's going to shift, and it's okay for it to shift because we all grow, we all evolve, we all mature. Uh, our thinking changes as we go. Uh, but this, but just having a point to to work towards that. That you know, getting getting you know past the inertia and starting some having some momentum because it's a lot easier as the as the saying goes, you know, to 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 to, to shift once you're in motion. Uh, an object standing still, it's very hard to, to move it, but once it's got some forward mo- mo- motion, then it can shift a little bit, and that's what you want to have. You want to have some some movement forward, uh, and not to be paralyzed by over analysis uh, by 
by over um, analyzing uh, every aspect to, to like to quote make sure. Well, you can never be sure. You again, that's where I think count the counsel of other people uh, doing things. Uh, you know, with with the uh, perspective um, and wisdom of other people. Uh, you know, it's what I call like your inner five. You know, the, the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, it could be a family family member if there's somebody in the family that. Uh, but typically, it's going to be people outside the family that that are that are people that are in your 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 world of influence. Uh, could be from business, could be from social, could be from community, could be from church. Uh, but you know, who are your five? Who are the five people that today, if 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 you really had a a burning need for for some counsel, some wisdom from somebody who would you know would give it to you objectively, not have an agenda, but just you know truthfully give you feedback, whether whether it was uh, a critique or or help or resources. Who would those five people be? Uh, could you name them today? Could you could you put their name down right now on a piece of paper and say yes? These are the five I could call any one of these, these five or all five if I wanted to, and get some honest feedback about some decisions I'm wanting to make in my life right now. When you have that kind of a a, a group that you that you surround yourself with, uh, it's 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 so much easier to go through life and not feel like you're all alone and you're making decisions in the, in, in the void or the, the blackness or the darkness because we can only see what we can see. You know, our life is unique to us. Mm-hmm. We have a perspective. We have belief systems that are unique to us. Uh, that's, I'm not saying they're bad or good. I mean, they are what they are. Uh, but not everything we believe in life, none of our experiences uh, provide us with, with actual truth. And I think we have to be willing and open to hear from other people that we respect uh, sometimes, and sometimes it, it hurts a little bit if someone questions or, or asks us questions to give us better clarity, but it's only, again, people that want to help us, not to, not to harm us. Yeah, that's real important to have that, that uh, honest, supportive group um, of people that, that you can um, work with. Well, gosh, we're, we're down to the end of the show, David, but I want, um, if you could, maybe spend a couple minutes and, and talk about um, Freedom Founders um, and what, that, what that's about. Sure, Robert. Uh, so Freedom Founders just kind of happened organically uh, back about 11 years ago when I had uh, some colleagues in dentistry and medicine just ask me, you know, how how I was able to leave practice at a relatively young age, and it, it was you know it was because I was had the real estate on the on the on the side that I had built up, and so they they wanted me to show them how to do it, and I said, well, it'd probably be easier if you just um, piggybacked on some of my investments, and that way you can see what I'm doing and also get a return on your money. So kind of like private capital investors. That started very small and just grew over time to where today it's a collaborative community where I don't go out and find the investments, uh, but I have people that have been in my world, my network, for you know decades who are actually uh, people that are make a business in certain niches of, of mm-hmm. real estate and allows my colleagues that are busy in their practices have a place to invest their capital to the extent they want to in real estate. So it's a community that, that it's a connecting community. I, I teach. I kind of translate uh, between doctors and real estate people because I've lived in both worlds. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a place. It's a place where where I, we really do help people find their next and 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 develop their their freedom blueprint plan. Um, so that's in essence what uh, what Freedom Founders is and does today. Well, great. Well, thank you. And you know, it's wonderful. You're kind of um, putting together the people um, who you know you've ex- you know who draw from your experience. You know, the, the two and being a connector because that's that's really important. Um, 
Well, David, uh, now if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they best do that? Yeah, best way would be uh, through through the website uh, freedomfounders.com or the okay. other one you mentioned, which was which is drphelps.com. Uh, you know, typically my, most messages go through to my my great assistant Lindsay, uh, who helps me manage my my time, my calendar, and my communications. She's so good. Uh, that's the best way. Uh, also, I have a, a a blog you mentioned earlier, a Dentist Freedom Blueprint podcast, which um, isn't isn't just for dentists. Uh, it could apply for a lot of people, so they can connect with me there as well. Yeah, great. everyone needs a Lindsay. <laughs> Everybody sure. needs a Lindsay. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I did as well, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Dr. David Phelps. We've been talking about his new book, What's Your Next? The Blueprint for Creating Your Freedom Lifestyle. And, again, you can find out more by visiting his website, drphelps.com, and that's D-O-C-T-O-R-P-H-E-L-P. S.com, or you can find out about that uh, mastermind community, thefreedomfounders.com. And again, you can find out more about the book by simply going to findyournext.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.